Well, the Lord was going to be here. I'm glad we could come and be with him, aren't you? Amen. He's done so much for us. And it's not what we praise God for, what he's doing. I like to praise him for who he is. Amen. And he does grant our requests. And we're so thankful that he keeps his word. Amen. I want to bring you greetings tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as we're together. Our God and Savior. Praise his wonderful name. And I want to thank uh, the ministers here and Brother Bisco and Brother Tom Ray for inviting me to be here with you tonight. So let's stand together, if you will. Praise be to God. Let's bow our heads. Our lovely Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you brought us into the world in a physical way. And we're so thankful for the rebirth, your word, your Holy Spirit, and that you've quickened it to our hearts and our lives. You have not only predestinated us, but you have drawn us, you've put it into our hearts to believe, to make us what we are tonight. Even the thirst that we have for you, it has to be from you, Lord. We pray, Heavenly Father, that tonight you would touch all of our lives, the hearer, the speaker, that your great presence would be manifested here to us and through us, and that our lives would be so affected that we cannot be the same when we leave, because we will respond to you in the songs and in the scriptures that we will read. We pray that you'll put it into our hearts to obey, Lord, and to yield ourselves wholly to you. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask this blessing. And if there's any that's here sick tonight, sick physically, we pray, Lord, that you would bring your healing power among us. You've done the work for us 2,000 years ago, but we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would quicken our faith to accept it and believe it and as a finished work. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these blessings. Amen. We have two uh, scripture texts. The first is in Second Timothy, chapter one, verse twelve, and the second will be in the book of Jude, verse twenty-four. Second Timothy, first chapter, the twelfth verse. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him 
against that day. And then over in Jude, verse 24 and 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Amen. Praise his wonderful name. You may be seated. Our subject tonight is, God is able to keep you. God is able to keep you. The Lord keeps on keeping us. He just does it. And he never can fail in that. He does not give up. He keeps on keeping us. So for the rest of our lives on earth, he has promised to keep us. It doesn't go to other sources and other people and churches and ministers and your economics and your abilities, your employment. It doesn't go to that. He's going to keep you in such a way that when this life is over, you have life without an end. And none of us can understand the length of that. But I know that a hundred years on this earth is certainly not to be accepted for an eternity. The word ability or ableness has to do with his inner power to do anything and do it perfectly well without a flaw. Carnal ability is expressed in competition by saying one is out, one is not as good as someone else or so and so is the best. But that is really by comparison and contrast. But in God, there is no comparison. There are no contrasts within him. He is all that there is. The great eternal one. And there is no competition. As he alone is God, the self-existing one, the creator and the sustainer. Of all things. And the universe and the world is held together by the word of his power. He knows all things. He sees all things. He was before all things. And when he emanated out from him the person of Jesus Christ, before he was of flesh. But in this theophany form, the law goes to the word that went out from God the very first thing. And that was the image of God. And Jesus Christ is still the image of God. And then later, as Brother Branham said, God was talking to his son when he said, let us make man in our own image. So here's the theophany Christ who created all things. Everything that's in heaven, everything that's in earth, visible, invisible. 
was created by him and for him, it says in Colossians. And nothing was is, exists or ever was without Jesus Christ creating it. And here we are, being conformed into his image, into that same image, so that Jesus then is the first of many brethren. He's our elder brother. And there's many sons and many daughters that are coming through that work that Jesus Christ accomplished on Calvary and in filling us with his spirit and with his word, for his word, in its time and season, is spirit and is life. And it's quickened to us. Praise his wonderful name. In our text, Second Timothy, the first chapter, verse 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. Whatever he was going through in his bank account, very low, and he was in prison. He wasn't ashamed. See, when you know that God's ordered you to your place, when you know that you're in the will of God, and you know that you know that He's placed you in Him, and you're doing the work that He wants you to do. Now, if you're not doing what God's called you to do, you need to find out what God has called you for. Because the only thing that's going to come up in the resurrection, the prophet said, is that which has served his purpose. Not what we figured out and, oh, I, you know, when I'm 40 and my investments cure and, oh, we can do this and do that. You might not hit 40 if you're less than 40 now. And it really doesn't matter how long you live on earth. It's meaningless. But... All try to live as long as they can. Brother Branham told Brother Shelby, who told me later, he said, Brother Branham told me to live as long as I could. Because when I would be dead, I'd be dead for a long, long time. (laughs) Shelby Wright. But it doesn't matter how long you live. You want to live as long as you can. The human being, we're made to strive and press and survive. But if we lived a year, if it's a baby, it goes to heaven. Abortion is murder. Um, Suppose you're a teenager and you die. Mm. All that could be ahead of them. But Brother Brandon had a funeral for a teenager, Brother Garnet. So it doesn't matter if you live 20 years, 40, 60, 80. You're doing God's purpose. The one on the cross, he'd lived a bad life. But in just a moment of time, he went and he was three days in Abraham's bosom. Jesus rose from the dead, went down, and took them all into paradise. It really doesn't matter. You want to serve God's purpose. God has a high order purpose. And many times you're not even aware of what you're doing and why you're doing it. 
You just either feel led to do it a certain way and you do it and God's working something else mysteriously and He doesn't tell you about it. It could be witnessing to a, a waitress. It could be just working or looking for a job and leaving a testimony and living the life. God, He never does anything for one reason. He's too big for that. Whenever he does anything, he's got a multiple reasons for it. Into the hundreds and thousands. That's affecting different people at different times. And so this one did this and that one did that. And, and then 200 years later, it's affected this and that and that and all this. God has a whole plan. Brother Branham called it a scheme. Brother Branham, God has a scheme of salvation. And it's all in his mind. And he doesn't tell us everything because he doesn't tell his prophets everything. He just tells the prophet of an age what he wants that prophet to tell the folks of that age. It's pretty simple. And Paul, he was in prison a lot, misunderstood, beat up. Didn't have a wife. But he said, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. There's another day coming. And I've committed everything I'm doing today to him for that day. It's down the road, and Abraham, Abraham, he never seen that city he was looking for. He never got to it. The Old Testament saints never got to it. Until they seen Jesus at Abraham's bosom and saying, come on, we're going a little higher today. Then they all began to recognize him. Well, that's the one that did this, and that's the one that did. And the same one. The same one that talked with Adam and Eve. In that form. There he was. He wrestled then with Jacob. And Ezekiel said, well, that's the wheel that was in the wheel. And Daniel said, that's the rock that came out of the mountain. You know, we're thinking of a stone or something. Apparently, Daniel seen something different than just a stone. Because he said that that's the stone that was cut out of a mountain without hands. And so then he says, well, we're all going home now. And he emptied out the elect that was in Abraham's bosom. So not only for Paul, but we are persuaded that God is able to keep that which we've committed unto him for our whole future. Hold fast the form of sound words said Paul, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed unto thee. Now, that wasn't his ordination when they laid hands on him and said, we recognize a gift in you because no one did that, Paul, or to Timothy. Except Paul. So here on this verse 14 it says, That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep 
by the Holy Ghost, which dwells in us. Amazing, the same person that's in me is in you. Not an arm or a toe. Only God, I don't know of anything in nature that types that. You have a person in you. And it is the resurrected Jesus Christ in spirit form. We call it ghost, spirit, it's him. I will not leave you nor forsake you. <clears throat> Lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the world. The consummation of the ages. I'm going to be with you. Praise his wonderful name. So he's in you and with you. And he's in me and with me. What a mystery. We can't figure that one out. But it's that seed gene where sons and daughters that he had in his mind. And now he's going to have many sons and daughters. And we're going to dwell together. Now, how is this possible? Paul, talking about that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not just an anointing. The Holy Ghost is a person. When you speak about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's best to think of it as a person. Otherwise, you can get into all kind of discussions. Is it full? Is it not full? You you know, are you baptized into the Holy? Or is he filling you? And uh, But this person, if you can simplify it, that this person of Jesus Christ wants to come into your life. And the only thing it takes between you not having him and him dwelling in you is a thoroughly repented heart. That's the only thing. A person can be filled with the Holy Ghost, even as the word is coming, and they believe it, like in Cornelius' house, before they were ever baptized in water. And look at poor John. In his mother's womb. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled with this person. Pointing <coughs> of God. God himself ministering through this vessel, John Baptist. So how is that all possible? That's the blessing that I'm talking about. The Holy Ghost blessing. A blessing that cannot be taken away. That blessing remains. That blessing abides. Well, there's so much that could be said about the baptism of the Holy Ghost in relative to him coming into us. Brother Branham said, you make God a liar. If you're not filled immediately with, with the Holy Ghost, when you come up out of the water of immersion and taking his name. Hmm. So I've studied that a lot, pondered on that over the years. And so in, with all the other things that the prophet has said about that, he says they go down and they haven't thoroughly repented. A thorough repentance is the only thing that separates any individual 
from being fully filled with the Holy Ghost, yielded to Christ. And each individual knows what the obstacle is. Because when you get down to pray, that comes before you. He's faithful. He'll not call any of us to judgment without first warning us. You get down to pray, I says, you say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. And then you're looking at this and that. And what, what do you think this and that? That's him speaking to you. You know how quickly God wants to fill every person with the Holy Ghost after they've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, taking that name on, and they have thoroughly repented. He wants to do it immediately. Jesus said it this way. He said, ye being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. This is in the book of Luke where he says this wording. How much more does your heavenly Father want to give the Holy Ghost? Unto them that ask him. He says you give an egg. You give a glass of milk. You give a fish. You know to your children. They want a snack. Here's the refrigerator kids. Just help yourself. Uh, see us being evil. In that sense. Just natural. We, we give it to our children. How much more. Will your heavenly father. Give the Holy Ghost. Unto them that ask him. So through all the message, the only limitation is you haven't thoroughly repented. And I've been to services, I've preached at a church, go to a, come back another year later, another church, and many of the same hands going up. Oh, I want the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost. It's either poor teaching or they haven't thoroughly repented. This blessing... The Holy Ghost, God Himself in spirit form coming within us, cannot, that blessing cannot be taken away. Now if we act wrong and do wrong, then the Holy Spirit leaves for a time, sets off like a dove in a little tree, Brother Branham said, until we get over that orneriness. Because it's out of step and out of sync with His nature. The Lamb and the Dove. Now, in this text of 2 Timothy 1.12, it says, He is able to keep. So, it is noteworthy that the same word is used in Titus 1.9 that we're going to look at. Because it is speaking of God's true ministers. Not speaking of the seven messengers. Not speaking of Paul. For he is speaking to Titus about bishops. Let's look at Titus 1.9. We'll read those verses there. Paul was writing to Titus saying, saying, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able, powerful, mighty, strong, able, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. They got more in coming to church than the eye can really see. 
the gainsayers, they, oh, that's the person that's in for a year or two and just around the message and they're not in it for just the Lord. What can I gain out of it? Can I get some more, maybe some more, some more customers? You know, we, you know, we have a, the sales and we've seen that through the church over the years. Pyramid program, sign up here and over here and haven't we everywhere. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Now they of the circumcision were keeping the law and like Moses had prescribed. But when... When Paul came, he said, well, if you're not circumcised, then that's still okay. And Peter, he didn't see it that way. So they had a dispute. And that had to be settled by Paul withstanding Peter. But the circumcision was the subject, not just by Peter. There were hundreds, if not thousands that were in the Jews and they were on the fence and, oh yeah, this, this thing with Christianity, yeah, maybe there is something to it, but we gotta stay circumcised. And all of our babies and we, it must insist that if they come to our fellowship, they have to be circumcised. Now there's other things in this modern time that it wouldn't be circumcision. It'd be other things. You know, we can't fellowship with them because they aren't doing it just this way. And here's the strong wording by Paul, if you can see it there. There are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped. Oh, Pastor Paul, that's, I mean, that. I mean, where's the room for consideration, a little negotiation? And, oh my, certainly there's a place in the church that they could operate and be there with as much as they hate us, you know. Uh, just think that's... <laughs> Paul hits it right on. Their mouths must be stopped. Who subvert whole houses... Through the wife, or through the husband, or through the teenagers, <coughs> the whole house goes down. No, we can't go to church this Sunday. We're having a meeting in our house, bro. You know. And we got several people going to come over on Sunday, and we're going to do this and that. and Subverters. And subverting a whole household. Now, this is the messenger, Paul the prophet and messenger of the first church age, of the early church, and our hearts have been turned back to the apostolic fathers, the faith that Paul preached. And Brother Brown will be on the curtain of time. They, got, they mentioned to him about preaching, and if you're accepted, which you will be, he says, well, I've preached the same thing Paul has. Now, this is what Paul was preaching. He was preaching that God is able to keep you, but right in line with that, he's 
speaking to the ministers, it's got to put some teeth in it sometimes. You know what I mean? Because, you know, everybody likes everybody to be copacetic and, oh, we're all getting along. Yeah, it's just wonderful, wonderful. When it comes to God's Word, He just lays it out. That's the way God is. You don't, you don't see Stephen, when he gives his exhortation against the Sanhedrin council that with true hands, they have murdered this Prince of Life, Christ. Oh. Now, if he could have been a little more diplomatic, um, that, that is no way, brothers, to, to get members in the church. You know, the way he was talking, I, it just, well, I, there was something odd about Stephen all along, you know. And he just had to talk like that and got us all, the rest of us all in trouble. Why didn't he just fall in line and be compromising? Just be negotiative. And God's not that way. You saw how Jesus was when he talked to the groups. Just as nice as he could be, but he just say it. He didn't say it hateful, but it, facts came out of his mouth. And that's what we're believing today. And you see that, con- you see that contrast in Brother Branham's messages when he's in the churches. How he's so humble and so loving and so kind. He said, I, I hate to say those things and, and I don't mean to be d- that way, but I just have to say it. And so he says it before he preaches it. And then he says the same thing after he preaches it. But he had to say it. And that's the way the ministry has to do from time to time. Because it's not the personality of the minister. It is mostly what needs to be said. Whose mouths must be stopped. Who subvert whole houses. Teaching things. Which they ought not. So we could judge what's being said. We can rightly divide the word. It's either truth or error. And they're teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Well, that's just part of our message today. That was part of Paul's message. And so we have a Bible that God has protected down through all these two millenniums. Praise His name. Look at 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, that's what we've come to, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept, you who are kept, God is able to keep you, you who are kept by the power of God. 
through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And we're still waiting. We're still waiting for the gathering of these bodies to be called from the grave. We think, oh yeah, we're, we have, we're rapture. We need to be raptured ready, and we do. We listen to the tapes, and that's laying right in there, the faith for the rapture. Uh, but there's another group called a resurrection. And they're going to come up before we get changed. It's going to happen. We don't even know what's happening. Until they might come by. Yeah. And when you see one or two of them, you begin to think, well, it's going to be pretty soon now. And it could be just around the corner. It could be this week, this weekend. It could be soon. He's coming very soon. And very soon we're going to see the king, as the song says. Praise his wonderful name. Jude chapter 1 verse 21 and 25 says, Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now the love of God is pure. The love of God is strong. Keep yourselves in that love. Because there's nothing more powerful than divine love. Um, That's what was beyond the curtain of time. And Brother Branham clearly said, whatever it takes, set aside everything else. Make sure you're going to be there. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some, have compassion. Making a difference. And others, save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garments (coughs) spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. You know, I was thinking today, the Bible prophesies that there's going to be a great falling away. And I have not seen what I would consider to be a great falling away. Nothing more than the four soils and the rock soil, the hard soils, the thorns. But there's a good ground, and that would be like one out of four, 25% would be really good. But I haven't even seen it that bad yet. You know, some people leave the message, and this household leaves, and someone there, and 20, 50 people leave a church somewhere in the world, and, and they divide off, and we don't believe the message anymore. Okay, but there's a great falling away going to come. I don't know that we've seen that. Brother Branham talks on a few tapes that very, very few will be in the rapture. The only thing I can see in that, that there's very, very few maybe going to, well, would be in the rapture, is that we're getting too settled in to lukewarmness, worldliness, and you get so used to it, and it has effects. You know, you get around worldliness and, and we have to go out and work and live in this world and, and the media of advertising, it's there. I mean, they can't sell a car or anything decent like that without immoral things. 
It's just everywhere. And so the tendency is to become lukewarm. A little at a time. Like the little turtle that should be moving and just sitting there. Or the frog that is going to have to get boiled slowly. Then you have frog legs. But if you throw him into the boiling water, out he goes. And they can jump good too. But here, Jude is saying you have to make a difference. There's a difference. Some you have compassion and others you hate even the garments that's on them. And that, that doesn't mean that you're not a good woman or a good man. If, if you get around that and you have to treat this one this way and that one that way, it just happens because of the word. We're measured by the word. We don't want to get cold or, I'm going to say, lukewarm. But one thing about lukewarmness, there is no fire. And if there's anything about the Holy Ghost and fire, it's God's fire. So anything that doesn't have God's fire with it, you want to get away from that. Because you're going to get, even if you're hot, you're going to get cooler and cooler and cooler and still warm. That's Laodicea. So when we think there's going to be very few saved at that last time, will there be any saved? Will there be any flat, any faith on the earth? Jesus said. It may be that so many are getting lukewarm. And how can we adjust that and not be that way? It comes to each individual of us, each of us, each of us in our own lives, each of us in our own home. You know, your homes are so important. That's really the, that's the headquarters of this church. If I could even use the word headquarters in that way, it would be the individual families. What are they doing? A husband and a wife and raising children. And that's a big burden. That's a big job. Bringing them up in this world and serving God and putting Him first all the way through. But if a, if a great falling away is to yet occur, and we don't fall away, let's be sure we're not lukewarm. Verse 24, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. He's the only one that's capable and able and powerful enough with his activity within him, God, to keep you from falling. You know the pressures of the world. They're all around. Say, well, the devil comes in like a roaring lion. Yeah. And sometimes he comes in real subtle. Real pleasant like, you know. Where Brother Branham said that Eve, uh, she didn't want to do wrong. She didn't want to do wrong. But she was deceived. She thought she was doing right. And that's it. We have to check everything by the word. Just like Luther was there in his room and Satan showed up arrayed 
as a king and a crown on his head. And he said, Luther, bow before me. I am your king. Well, he just paused. And that's good for all of us. Anything come up in our lives, our homes, and a decision to be made, you better pause until you're really sure. He paused, he paused, he paused, and then he saw that crown on his head. And then he realized, the saints are going to crown him. And he says, get out of here, saints. A holy, seemingly a holy situation and appearance of Christ with a crown on his head. And now here's Luther. He has to turn in, turn it into a situation of get out of here. What if he was wrong? Well, if he was wrong, that would have been a bad thing. But he looked over Satan and he had that crown on his head. So there's where we need to judge by the word. The prophet said that. Test everything. Give it the word test. That's not being bad. That's being what God has told us to do by his prophet William Branham. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Oh, we will be happy over there. And... To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. So it is God's keeping power and our duty to abide in Him fully and willfully. See, there's not really much for us to do. No big things. God will never ask you to do a real big thing. It'll just be the next thing. You'll be capable. You've overcome here. You've overcome there. You've overcome there and this. And you've added to your faith this and your experiences there. And then he'll ask you to do something further. Now to someone else that hasn't overcame at all yet. Oh, that's impossible. How you, you can't. Abraham, you can't kill your son. What's going on here? Well, of course, nobody else knew. Because Abraham had a relationship with God, and he knew God was leading him to do that. He knew that voice. That voice that had spoke to him way back in Ur, way back, he heard the same voice, and that was that's so outstanding about Brother Branham. It, when he was 37 years old is the first time he saw the angel. 37 years old. Before that, his mother told him about the light that came in when he was born. Others that were there. And then all through his life, he would hear, he would see, he would see a light, amber, yellowish green. And he would see that. There would be a whirlwind here. And he would hear a voice. He'd have a vision. He'd see something. And it would come to pass. Now, he had never seen the angel. And so then he's down there in his cabin. Up there near Charlestown, Indiana. 
And just before going up there, he was sitting on the porch there on 8th Street, just across from the Branham Tabernacle, and the house still there. And they had a little faucet that's still there, well, unless they took it out in the last 12 years. Had a little place that he'd come and he'd wash his hands. And then he went up and he sat on that porch like a shotgun house. And he sat there just tired from his work. And his, and his wife was there with him. Now this was back, um, this was Mita. And he's sitting there and there's a maple tree. And the pillar of fire comes, a whirlwind, and strikes that maple tree and scares him half to death. Oh! Oh! He said, honey, I'm going to go up to my cave. And it was up near where the where his cabin was, too. I'm going to go up there, and if I'm not back in three days, you haven't put someone else in my place at my job. I'm going to go up there and ask God to never let that happen to me again. Another place, he says, think of the ignorance of a man. So it was either that night or the night after that the that light that he had seen from a child came into the room. But this was a little different. As the light moved across the floor, a man stepped out of that light. It was an angel. And then you know the story if you've read his life story. And the angel spoke. And that's what stirs my heart so much for us. Is when he heard that voice, he said it was the same voice that I had always heard from a little boy. Now I bring that to each of us. You followed the Lord to come out of the world in denominationalism and to believe this message. At some point, your path crossed with this message. God brought you to the Word. And however God led you then, and He's led you when you've prayed, and you've asked God about situations, and He's talked to you. Not an audible voice, but He's talked to you and you knew. Brother Branham, God didn't always speak to Brother Branham with an audible voice. But that voice when it came, it was the same. That's how He identified it. And so... You can tell the word of God, the message of the hour, and then what thoughts come to your spirit, your mind. What thoughts come, did it come from God or did it come from Satan? You can judge it. Because the same voice and the same leadership that God's given to you to come to this very night, experiencing your walk with the Lord, it'll be the same the next time. He's not going to change on you and leave a bunch of confusion somewhere and you don't know what to do. You're led by the Spirit of God. And He loves you. And He's all-powerful. And He's able...
to keep you from falling. And our only duty must be willfully to abide in him. Just stay with the word. In Phoenix, December 63, Brother Branham was in a message. He's quoting Jesus. If a man abide in me and I in him, if you abide in me and my words in you, end quote. Then he goes on to say, abiding, not just jumping from place to place and swapping your fellowship card from a oneness to a two-ness and a three-ness and back to a Presbyterian Lutheran, quote, ye abide in me, end quote. And he is the word, quote, my words abide in you. Don't be afraid of 800 or 8 million, I'll stand by your side, quoting Jesus. He's paraphrasing that, but he's quoting Jesus. Don't be afraid of 800 or 8 million, I'll stand by your side. I desire a drink from that well again, end quote. Abide in him, if he abide in me. And I abide in you. You ask what you will. He's going to keep us. He's he's going to keep you. If you don't have him inside, what's going to keep you? Doing your own thing and cross your fingers and, oh, I hope it works out. You're out there doing something. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You're either going to come God's way or you're not going to come. Every word. The only requirement is to abide in Him, rest in Him, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is our rest. Not just an anointing, but this person. In uh, John 15, 4 through 6, Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you bear fruit, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, and without me, you can do nothing. Well, that's a real put down. Because you can be without Jesus... And be very religious and have a Christian church and organization. It could even be called a message church, maybe. But if it's not following every word of God, then Christ is not there. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. And we're talking about the word here as fruit. Which we have to go over to Matthew 24 and it gets into that. In verse 6, if a man abide not in me. Now we come down to a warning from Jesus. To get away from all this 
Oh, we have to all agree. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. And he could still say, well, I'm in Christ. I'm still abiding in Christ. But the word will tell us if they are or not. And it's a branch, it's cast forth and is withered. Experiences of people wither without Christ. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Oh, Jesus is saying that if we don't abide in him, that's our future. Although you can have fun for 20 years in the world. The result in failure to abide in him, to abide in the Holy Ghost, is three things. That person is cast away, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. There's not two options. There's not, well, this one is 90% and uh, good, and this one was, you know, 82% good. We're not into that. You either have God or you don't. And he's expressed it by his word. We all know where we fail. If we fail, we know. Just don't wait for it to get worse. When you know the problem, get to Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Thoroughly repent of your sin. And you'll find that your future can be bright. And God will hold you. He will keep you. And you cannot be lost. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses that we've all read often, verses 1 through 8. In everything, verse 1, in everything there is a season. And a time to every purpose under heaven. So for us. It'd be, one would be our lifetime. There's a purpose. We're on earth and here we're living out our time. But to every purpose under the heaven, it even brings God into it. There's a, God, there's a time for God to keep and there's a time for God to cast away. We don't want to have a part in the lake of fire for sure. And then a time to be born and on down to verse 6. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. Let's look for a moment at what happens if we do refuse. I'll read some, some quote, quotes, some highlights of quotes from Brother Branham. His wonders to perform in Chicago, 58. But you know, if God is leading the way, what difference does it make? God will protect you in your destination. Excuse me. He will protect you to your destination. There's no dangers when you're walking with the Lord. I would believe easily that there was a host of 10,000 angels walking along there. And that man and their little donkey, she just as safe as she could be. Talking about Mary, going to have Jesus. Another message is thirsting for life. In in Los Angeles, 59, 
God's little deers sometimes wander off from the fold. There might be some here tonight that's wandered away from the protection of the church. That's strange. This is the protection of the church. It must be a spiritual church. And they've walked away from the protection of the loved ones who had prayer, had pray, the one ones who had pray for you and help you to come back to God. So when a person leaves and they're on their way to backsliding, there's people praying for them and they're gone. And they've left the people that's praying for them. And those that are praying for you and help you to come back to God, keep you straight. Come to the church and listen at the gospel. There may be some in radio land that's wandered away. Then in another message, Queen of the South, Shreveport, L.A., Los Angeles, 1960. He talks about the gift of God, rallying around the gift of God. Oh, if America tonight would rally around the gift of God, it'd be a golden age. It'd be a millennium for us here. What if we'd rally around the gift of God that, and he continues, that's the Holy Ghost, of course, he said. That's a gift. And he was manifesting a certain way through Brother Branham, which he's not going to do through ministers today or yourselves. But that's the way the gift, the Holy Ghost, was working through Brother Branham. And he'll work different through you than he does the others and because he's got a multiple body. But he, he's going to get it all done. He's masterminding all of this. See, that's the Holy Ghost, of course. All America would rally around the gift of God sent to us, the Holy Ghost. It would be a time that they would break down every wall of partition between Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Pentecostals, and we'd have a golden age. And the power of God would sweep this nation from sea to shining sea. Every nation under heaven would fear us. That's the best protection we have. God's protection. We don't have to build atomic bombs like Russia and missile race. Just come back to God. Accept the gift that he has given us. But they won't do it. Why? You can't even get many of the Pentecostal brethren to do it. Let alone Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Lutheran, and so forth. Can't get many to believe it. They don't rally around it. What's left then? Chaos. God sends it, it's up to you to receive it. And now I'm adding, abiding in Christ. Because we'll be cast away if we don't abide in Him. Another message, behold a greater than Solomon is here. Salem, Oregon, 62. Then he goes on to say about then that God through all generations spoke. Wherever God sends a gift to the earth and the people receive it, that's a golden age for that generation. 
But when they reject it, it's chaos for that generation. Brother Branham said, the word is our protection. It's not ordained that we protect the word. We are not to protect the message. No place does Brother Branham say that. But the word, the message of the hour, God's message, God's holy message to us at this end time is to protect us from Laodicea that gets worse and worse and worse, and Eve got off from from behind her protection, which was God's Word. And it was just changed a tiny little bit. And we've heard that often, and we see it every day, what the results were of being off the Word a little bit. So we have a message today that brings us back to the Word. It's been restored. So our hearts are full, receiving the Holy Ghost, receiving the message of the hour. What is the message of the hour? It's a holy message from God Himself to you and I. And He used the prophet to bring it, like He always does. It's wonderful. The word is our protection, he says. And though people won't dare to say they didn't believe it, they claim it, but their actions speak louder than their words. And last one I'll read is, uh, God's gifts always find their place. From Jeffersonville, 63. Now, these wise men, bringing their gifts, identified Their gifts identified what it was, and that's the reason God protected them. He protected those gifts through every move that they made. He protected it until they arrived with those gifts because they were fitting for, because they were fitting for the time. Does my church understand that? Oh, that's what he's asking, the Branham Tabernacle. Does my church understand that? That's what's going on now. I hope it ain't over your head. See, people in the Branham Tabernacle, his own church, weren't all getting it. Yeah, I know that. He talks about going out to California and preaching against women cutting their hair. And he says, and every time I get back there, they're worse. Then this other sermon... He says, I preach against it here in his own church, and every time I come back, it's worse. Not everybody was obeying the Word. Not everybody was staying behind the protection. Brother Branham didn't have a perfect church. He had people, just like we're people. I know all of us are perfect. But not everybody was perfect in the Branham Tabernacle. And not everyone's perfect here. We all want to draw as close to the Lord Jesus as we can get. Hug that mountain while we're going around the path. I hope it ain't over your head. I have to speak it in parable almost. You see? 
But do you see? It's the things that's happening is fitting for this day, Laodicea. It's the fitting time. That's the reason God has protected it. See, brought it right through to identify himself. Gifts. Though it cost a death. It put a stumbling block in their way. It's a fitting time. That's right. Fitting for the day. That's the reason God has protected it the way he has. He has perfect. He will perfect it. No, excuse me. He will protect it until his purpose is served. And he'll protect all of us. Until his purpose is served. I've got a couple more scriptures here. In the text of Jude 24, he is able to keep you. Now, all it needs to be done is just say it one time, right? He's able to keep us. So there's no blame on him. He doesn't get any blame. Why, Lord, are you letting this happen to me? He's able to keep a man in a lion's den? Keep three men in a fiery furnace? He's able to keep Stephen. He didn't even feel a stone hit him, Brother Branham said. But before he died, fell asleep. Said, I see heaven open. I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He served his purpose. So God is able to keep you. He's able. Meaning he's powerful. Or having power. And is the same in the following four verses. We're going to look up these four verses here. To see how he's the same in this power toward you as an individual. The verse is Revelation 5, 3. <clears throat> well known. <clears throat> Speaks of uh, Revelation 5, 3 through 5. We may not read it all. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. That's pretty serious. Uh, you, you might think there's people not worthy to touch it. You might think there's people that's not worthy to open it. But there wasn't anybody worthy to look at it. Either to look thereon. Who's worthy to even look in the book? And we've got the book open to us. Who is worthy of us to look in upon These mysteries revealed God and all about Him, who He is, what He is. All about Him, the mystery of God is finished. It's all out. All the loose ends have been tied together. Powerful. And no man in heaven nor in the earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders, and twice it says you can't even look on it. 
Look how many look on it and, and think it's of no value today. The revealed word. They, all of heaven knew it was important. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst, in the midst of the throne. You know where that would be. In the middle. And which is also in the midst of the four living creatures. The four bees. And in the midst of the elders. Looks like Jesus is center, center focus, isn't it? I like, I think it's in the fourth chapter. Is it the fourth chapter? Where it says, uh, hurt not my oil and my wine. Which one? The third chapter? So Satan's coming in to take over everything. Right down, you know, from after Pentecost and the backslidden church, and then it goes into Nicaea Council, then it goes into the Rome. Now he's in just to take it over. And and God says, Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna allow that. But see that you don't touch the oil and the wine. You can't touch what the Holy Ghost is doing in my people. And you can't mess with the word that I reveal to them and quicken it to them. Who was that? That was Jesus Christ Himself speaking from the very center of what we just read. Speaking out to Satan, hands off! He is keeping you. Jesus Christ is keeping you. You stay in the Word and Satan is hands off. There stood a lamb in the center of all this. As it had been slain, having seven horns... And seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came. It's a person. Brother Branham did not open the seven seals. This one we're reading about. There was. He came and took the book out of the right hand. Of him that sat on the throne. One place Brother Branham says he took the Bible. Out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Because the Bible had all those mysteries in there. Satan messed up in every age. The word, the the title deed. And all that that pertains to the opening of the seals. He took that. Now it was in his hand. In the hand of Jesus Christ, this man, the only mediator between God and man is the man, Christ Jesus. He overcame for us. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, overcame. He was all these things. Blind Bartimaeus said, thou son of David, had mercy on me. He was the son of David. He was the son of David 2,000 years ago. 
He was the Son of Man 2,000 years ago. He was the Son of God 2,000 years ago. He just wasn't manifesting Himself as a king over Israel. But He still was the Son of David. He opened blind Bartimaeus' eyes. He had his prayer answered. He took that book because he had rights to it. He was the only one that had rights. The only human being in heaven and earth, under the earth or in the sea. Jesus Christ alone had that right. Only Jesus has and had this ability of power to keep you. Only Jesus has this Ability. He is able. Able has to do with ability. This one that is no match for Satan. Jesus created Lucifer before he fell. Before he was kicked out of heaven. No wonder in Jesus' ministry he would come to devils that were in people. And they say, art thou come to destroy us before the time? We know who thou art, thou Holy One of Israel. Of course they knew Him. He created them. There will be a time they'll go to the lake of fire. And I have a lot of respect for the holy angels that did not participate in Lucifer's terrible act. Telling all those lies in heaven. I have a lot of respect for those angels. They did not leave their first estate. They did not leave. They stood with God's message. His word. He, and the one that had created them. They stood with that. No matter what the lies of the devil were. So Jesus is up, he's having a temptation, and after 40 days of temptation, the devil comes to him and tempts him, starting quoting the scriptures, you know. Did he quote them right? Oh, yeah. He knows the Bible very well. He knows the Old Testament. He quoted scripture to Jesus. And after that third notable, the devil leaveth him, and it says, and an angel came. These holy angels are interacting with our salvation, although they did not pay the price. They are not our Redeemer. If there are thousands of angels, holy angels, in this building with us, and they camp with us, they never leave. They go home with you, they come with you. I can imagine many times they would just like to say something. But they know that we must have that veil so we can live by faith. I think I I have a quote in here about that. I know you don't want to hear all the quotes. Oh, well. If 
Why can't I find it? Maybe I don't read it. Oh, here it is. Angels were created with a free moral choice, the same as man. Now, I never used to think that. You know, I was thinking, oh, yeah, they're, they're robots. You know, you do this, you do this, you go over there. Well, then how did, how did the devil and demons get out of there? So we have these uh, quotes here. <clears throat> I'll read them to you. In 54 questions and answers, I had another question today. Say, why, Brother Bill, the Bible said, Eve said, I got a son from the Lord. And then he goes on down and talks about choice. And then he talks about Satan, another choice. Let's get these other ones about angels. So then in 1960, adoption, the second of the series, um, he says, how many knows he's infinite? He isn't. If he isn't, he isn't God. So God, in his infinite mercy, he saw that Lucifer would do that. If he created this, he would put them onto a free moral agency, the angels. That basis, and you're still there, that's right, the tree of right and the tree of right and wrong. Set before every one of us, you make your choice. And Lucifer was the first one to take the wrong road. And he began to draw after him hoggish, trying to take all for himself, try to override somebody else, and that's where it started. Now listen to this. That's where sin began. God, in his infinite mind, saw it and saw that. We just go on down. In 1960, uh, that day on Calvary, and sin did not start on earth. You've heard this before. Sin started in heaven. Lucifer, the devil, was a condemned creature for his disobedience before he ever struck the earth. Sin began in heaven where God put the angels and so forth upon the same basis that he put human beings. Knowledge, the tree of knowledge, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge where man could take his choice. And when Lucifer was given the preeminences to make his choice, he wanted something better than God had. That started the trouble. So I have a lot of respect for holy angels. This business about step aside. Now here comes the bride. Step aside. Do you realize how important they are around you every day? That's God's, in that dimension, there's a whole world in that dimension we'll never see until we cross over. Those angels, they do this and they do that because they never disbelieved in the beginning. They did not leave their first estate. And that's why the devil and his angels do not get a second chance. It's because they were already in the first estate. And they left it. 
We have not yet come to our first estate. That is in God's mind. And we are on a journey going back to that first estate that God has in His mind for His sons and His daughters. So they were already there and made a choice. They're cast out. They don't get back. And what they, what the holy angels cast out of heaven, we cast out now as demons in the name of Jesus Christ. And they must go. And the only thing that you must say is in the name of Jesus Christ. You can't say it in titles. You can't say to the Satan. You can't say to Satan now in the title of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He won't go. And you can't say now in the name of the Rose of Sharon and the Lily of the Valley. He'll stay right there. And you ought to be careful. If, if you're dealing in the wrong kind of a situation, he may attack you and take your clothes off. That's what happened in the book of Acts when somebody got under there. And they said in like manner, they said, in, they said, we adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ, whom Paul serves. Mistake, it wasn't personal. They, they weren't filled with the Holy Ghost. And those demons jumped on that man and those men and tore their clothes off. We're not playing games. This is not a theological debate, or we, I can believe this, I can believe that. We can only believe one way. Jesus had a message, and they were in the upper room following the message that Jesus had said. And they received the Holy Ghost. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he preached a message, and others said, what must we do to be saved? And they received the Holy Ghost as well. They were baptized and and filled with the Holy Ghost. Then in Cornelius' house, a message was being preached. You see, the Holy Ghost baptism is always tied to a message. Always. So it's nothing to play with. Brother Branham said, we don't say titles and things. But we say, thus saith the Lord. So don't you play with it. Because the devil's real. You remember when Brother Branham was uh, younger. I think it might have been at an Indian program or something. There was a table. They had this seance. And this table was floating in the air. And the one that was in charge of the seance uh, said, if you can pull this table down. They had men, grown men, jump on the table and pull it down and try to. It didn't budge. These demons are real. It's something you don't even want to mess with. And so Brother Brandon said, well, this would be a good time. I could check this out. So he said, in the name of the Rose of Sharon and the Lily of the Valley, come down. And it just stood there in the air. And then he said... In the name, which would be titles, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, come down! And it just stood there. And he said those notable words that we all love. In the name of Jesus Christ, come down. And it came down in obedience so hard it nearly broke the legs off of it. There's power in that name. 
And there's keeping power for your soul. And for your marriage. And for your household. And for your children. There's keeping power. Praise His wonderful name. I know I was almost done. I've been past that. Yeah. So I only had four verses or four scriptures. That was the first one. The second one's in Second Corinthians one four. <clears throat> we as reciprocants are enabled with the same powerful ability to minister to others. Second Corinthians one four, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. God's going to comfort you with the Holy Ghost. He's our comforter. And by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. That's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost in His people is all the same. This one's comforting that one. This one's saying this. Staying with the Word. Encouraging someone, you know. And you just never know how God's going to use you so supernaturally just to say a kind word. Just to say a scripture that you read that morning. You sisters as well. I mean, that would be a good thing. You know, the old promise box, you pull it out and read a promise. Well, sisters can read them and get in all of us. And just share it with somebody. You don't have to teach and explain the scriptures. But give a testimony. Give a testimony for the Lord, what He's done for your life. So there in this verse, who comforts us, that we may be able to comfort others. So we as reciprocants are enabled with the same powerful ability to minister to others. And He's not talking about just preachers in that verse. Now let's go to 2 Timothy 3.15. And that from a child, speaking to Timothy, that thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So what we see here is the scriptures have the same power. Timothy had heard these scriptures and believed them from a, from a little child. I was in those scriptures when I was in a Pentecostal Assemblies of God denomination. I was a little child. Brother Brandon went to a Baptist church and things like that. And we all came out of something. Someone might brag and say, well, I didn't come out of anything. Well, what were you in? I hope it could have been a bar or just ignorance or... It's hard to say. We all came out of something. God sought us out and drew us. We didn't find God. He found us. So wonderful He found us. I was 27 years old when He found me. Serving the Lord all those years, pastoring churches and so forth. And I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I know this Assemblies of God Trinitarianism is wrong. 
And I know that it's wrong in the UPC with that oneness. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, have mercy on me. Don't let me come out of something that's wrong and go into something else that's wrong. What are you doing on the face of the earth that's right? Three days later, I'm home in South Bend, Indiana. My phone rings. A brother minister two blocks from my house of this message says, I've got another brother here. Would you like to come over and talk about the scriptures in the Bible? I said, sure. I talked to him before, but he never told me about the message. Within three days, God answered my prayer. I had never heard William Branham since I was ten days old and in one of his meetings. Two of his meetings, excuse me. He found me. I don't know where you were. We all have a testimony. But God came to me. He came to me. You know the song. Amen. And then the last verse we're going to read is James 1.21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. God's word is the active power. It is able to save your soul. Knowing about the message is not come far enough. You have to embrace we say the message. I call it a holy message. The Bible's a holy Bible. This is a holy message to me. Lucifer defied and rebelled against the holy message before man was created. And God has sent a prophet. And he's given us an infallible word. It's the only word on the face of the earth from Almighty God which will judge this age at the judgment. There's no secondary thing about it. There's no other message. Nothing comes close. There's nothing. And since that day that I heard this message and looked at it and believed it, I said, that was my decision. God had sent an infallible word prophet from fulfilling scriptures and anything contrary to what he said is a lie. And in simplicity, that's what I believe tonight. And I've never wavered, questioned, doubted, ever. The Lord knows my heart on that. You hear all this stuff that goes on for these years since 69 I, I came into it. Nothing has moved me. Nothing will move the bride. She is His. It's a holy union. And we're going home one of these days. It's going to be a catching away time. Hallelujah. Caught up with Him. And dwell with Him eternally. God's power is active power. It is able to save your souls. That's why a true minister is continually quoting... 
and correctly laying in God's word the message of the hour. That is what keeps on keeping you. Paul said to Timothy that this message, what Paul was bringing and what they were doing, would not only save Timothy, but those that hear you. And you have two things you must do besides being baptized in Jesus Christ's name and receive the Holy Ghost. There's two things ongoing that you must do if you're going to keep straight with God. You've got to know your Bible in the sense that you just read it. Simply just read it and believe it. Nothing deep. Read it and you believe it. And God applies it to your heart. And you hear the message. And you apply that to your life. You don't try to figure out big things and set it up and this over here and move it over here. If the prophet didn't say it, it's a lie. Because that means God did not say it. If someone says, well, God told me, well, then somebody's speaking to them different than the God that spoke to Brother Branham. It's not complicated. If you think it's real narrow-minded anyone, then you probably would have died in the flood at Noah's time. Because not only was he commissioned to build an ark, but you had to get in his ark. You mean the flood's going to come? And Brother Branham said there were some little boats around there. And another place they said, well, he's a kind man. Brother Branham said, well, if if it does rain, then we'll just go up and knock on the door and then he'll open for us because he's a good man. He was a likable person. But it didn't turn out like those that forsook Noah's message thought it would. God shut the door. And God shuts the door when a person's last opportunity has been flandered. You never know when the last time will be. You're never guaranteed another church service. You're never guaranteed another time that God will knock at your door and humble your heart and melt you. And want to repent and serve Him with all your heart. You're not guaranteed of another time like that. You don't come to God. And you especially don't come when you want to. You come when He calls you. If He's not calling, you won't come. If He's calling, that's your time. That's the moment. That's the day. We're not playing games. Each of us as individuals, we need to get real serious and serve the Lord Jesus with all of our hearts. I'm going to have to ask the musicians if they'd come at this time. God's grace is sufficient. And He's able to keep that which I have committed unto him, Paul said.